Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Come on, side, 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 side. <laughs> Welcome to Come On Son, the podcast. My name is Ed Lover. Interesting conversations with interesting people. There's not a lot of people in Atlanta that is more interesting than my next guest. When we talk about great producers of hip-hop music, people start talking premiere. They talk Dr. Dre. They'll say Havoc. They'll say a lot of people, but I don't hear this brother's name coming up enough (laughs) and as it should. One of the people that is probably more responsible for the sounds that come out of the great city of Atlanta than a whole lot of people give him credit for. DJ Tomp is my guest right here. Y'all give it up. Ah, what it give is, it up for it my is. man, man. Give it up for Tomp. DJ Tomp. So that Sorry, means bro. before a producer, you are a DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start producing first. I mean, DJing first, yeah, for sure. Is that like the gateway? Because that's Pete Rock. Well, that's a whole lot yeah. of dudes. And, and, and Primo. Funny, and it's funny when you mention that too, because most producers cut hair, draw, paint, and I'm all that shit. Really? All that. Yeah. You was cutting hair? Yeah, I still do that. I still get down. Yeah. You get the fuck yeah, out of here, too. Yeah, I get the family straight. Yeah, I keep a fresh little pair of clippers, about three different trimmers, all that. Good what shit. was it about this hip hop music, bro, and music in general that caught Tomp? Man, well, first, my dad, uh, he was in a group called the MVPs, right? They okay. Signed to Buddha Records. You remember the label? Uh, yeah, Curtis who was who, oh, Curtis Mayfield. Uh, impressions, everybody yes, was on Buddha. Buddha, Buddha, so, yes. yeah. He was signed to Buddha back in the 70s and stuff. So, and so he was singing, man. So he taught me to sing, taught me how to sing when I was about like seven years old. Bro. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm born in 69. So it's like, really, I didn't hear no hip hop until like 78 or whatnot. So okay. I was just a fan of just soul music and jazz you know I used to some of your favorite oh well speaking of jazz Ahmad Jamal just passed away oh, wow. rest in peace Ahmad Jamal wow, a wow, whole man. lot of the music that we like was sampled from Ahmad yeah. Jamal right one of his main ones that, uh, uh Nas's uh Pete the one that Pete Rock did one love yeah no that was that was uh I'm sorry that wasn't the one. Pete Rock did Whose World Is dun, This? Dun, 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 dun. That's oh, Ahmad that's Jamal, like bro. Dopest piano. Yes, that's Ahmad Jamal, brother. Dope. Wow. Yeah, so okay. he passed away. Thank so you. that was the era that you grew up on, on the jazz. And who was some of your favorite R&B? Man, Tower Power. Wow. Um, um, Lenny Williams. Len, uh, there you go. Lenny Williams. Don't people there don't you know that. Point. See, now, me and Toon going to educate. Yes. See, I like these yes. conversations. This is what I talk about. Lenny Williams. Okay. All right. The uh, 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 
Styles was the lead singer of Tower of Power. Where do you think R. Kelly got that riff from? That's exactly. Lenny, Lenny Williams. Williams. Yeah, yes, bro. sir. Tower of Power. Five, you know, I was a... I was a part of that era to where, you know, it was cool to want to be like Michael Jackson. Absolutely. You know what I mean? We all you want know, to be Mike. Mike. you know? We all want to be the <laughs> black Mike. <Excuse> me, so. <laughs> yeah, man, and um, like I say, going through record crates, you know, my dad had, you know, I, I think by the time I turned uh, about eight or nine, that's when he started trusting me, you know, on the turntable, dropping a needle, you know, without right. giving the record go, you know, need to go across the record or whatnot. So, man, once I got old enough to really start digging through crates and reading the covers, man, I just caught myself being real interested just in music. Period. I didn't know exactly what I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. But shoot, I'll say around 81, 82, I was watching 60 Minutes, man, and they showed Grandmaster Flash on some turntables in his kitchen. They were talking about the movie Wild Style. Mm-hmm. And that shit just caught my attention. And like we were talking about earlier with Funky Four on Saturday Night Live. Right. I even called Prince when he was on there for the first time, too. Right. So I was one of them kids staying up late. It's really supposed to be sleep. Had a little black and white TV watching all kind of shit, man. So and um, when I saw Funky Four on, on um, Saturday Night Live, that just caught my attention, and I just you know love of hip hop ever since. You know, of course, so you, everybody learned the words the rappers be like. Absolutely. So you knew that you wanted to be a part of this culture. I knew it, bro. I knew it. Like, are you I, from originally from yeah, Georgia? One way, Southwest Atlanta. Southwest Atlanta. Yeah. What was the culture like at that time? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say. 81, 82, really, I'll say 70. Yeah, from 78 to um, really 81, 82. If you really wanted to hear some real hip-hop, it had to be on AM radio. Mm. FM wasn't really popping like that. So we had WIGO and WALK. And we were way ahead of the curve. We were doing live remotes back then down there. Right. So it was a club on West Petrie called the San Susi. Uh-huh. And another one in Buckhead called uh, VIP. Okay. Right there, like, used to be Belvedere Plaza. So after the regular shows, I say from what, 11 o'clock and, and on up to like two in the morning, they just do live remotes from the club, man. You hear folks cussing in the background, Reggie <laughs> Reds, Keith Pollard, all, everybody was just mixing right on the live on the air. Uh-huh. You hear the crowd in the back. It kind of remind you of some old Sugar Hill records because you can right. they used to leave the mic up. Just That's right. You can hear the whole crowd. That's so, right. Yeah, man. So just from. Just those little details just caught my ear back then. I, caught my attention, man. And that's when I really started wanting to be a DJ because I used to play around with the pause button for a minute. You know what I mean? You made like, pause I tapes. Made pause tapes. I wow. Was, I was wicked. You know, I used to get, just keep count. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Only real heads might know um, in, out of New York, these guys called the Latin Rascals. Absolutely. Yeah. They used to do like some of the dopest remixes ever. Right. Man, I learned how to do all that shit. Then later on, I learned how to splice tapes when I got to the real studio. So you was doing pause tapes like the rest of us Man. because, all right, for all of yeah. y'all that don't know this yeah, too, y'all, please let me take this time right. out to explain what a pause <laughs> tape was. Mm-hmm. We had cassette decks, right? Yes, so depending on where you were from, they played hip hop only at a certain period or on a certain day at a certain time. So when you wanted to hear your favorite record, you put that tape in there and you recorded it. But you never wanted to get the radio stations mm-hmm. call letters on your tape. You didn't want to hear WAOK. You didn't right. want to hear WBLS. You didn't want to hear 98.7 Kiss. So you sit there right there. And when you thought you heard that DJ crack that mic, huh, you hit pause. Yeah, because you have it on pause and record already. That's right. So that way when it's just your favorite record, oh, you wait till they finish talking, wow. Right. You know? 
Then you get your records. Then you was able to go out, play your tapes, 90-minute Maxell mm -hmm. tapes, 60-minute tapes, when you didn't have no talking on it. It was just the music. But then dudes got creative yep. and started making the tapes where they were actually making break beats. Basically and they looping. were yeah, they were looping. looping. It was right early now. looping. With, uh, yeah. It was early looping. And it could be a soft touch talk, tape deck. It had to be the one with the button stick out. Where you just <laughs> right, right on point. Like, when you let it off, it's got to be on. That's right, too. That's right. So yeah. you, so cats that were really creative on it, that were really in their early yeah. stages of DJing, were making those tapes, and we used to buy those tapes off of them yeah. because all the break beats were there. So in my early days of my rap career that I thought I was going to have as MC Eddie D. When I wrote my rhymes and I practiced, I practiced on pause tapes because right. the dudes had the best break beats and they would they would hit that. Like if you played I Got the Big Beat by Billy Squire, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh, uh, 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 uh. uh, And then Billy Squire would come and go, ah, no, you didn't want to hear that <laughs> shit. Hear that. Yeah. Right? So if a dude didn't have turntables, he hit that pause and then he bring it back, back and then he the, unpause yeah, back it. On the one. Right yeah. back on the one. And that's how you look. Yeah. So keeping it 100. So I have a cousin named Tanya. She's from New York. And she's bringing tapes back in the 80s. Okay. Tell me about the whole thing. She was like, yeah, I knew Flash. You know, she talked about Flash and all them. So I was, man, I was like a lightweight alien down here. I was way ahead of the <laughs> seventh, eighth grader. Right. The shit that I was doing as far as musically and just knowing all the rap records and Cause I was turning on pe people onto the Crash Crew, um, who was it was somebody y'all just spoke of, Jazzy Five. Yeah, Jazzy, Jazzy Five. Yeah, Jazzy Five. Say, oh all my that, God. Man. So, I was the one when people wanted to know what was what the new hip hop shit was. They used to come to me. Okay. Yeah, when did you get your first set of turntables? My first, well, I was and what were they? Well, it was one. One was a belt drive, and one was a direct. It was, uh, I was going to say belt drive. It was one pioneer uh, belt drive. It right. Was a techniques direct drive. Um, matter of fact, no, and and it didn't even have a pitch control. Neither had pitch control. Woo! Yeah, but um, I still and I still. Used to, it took me a minute to understand counting BPMs and stuff. So I I get records on beat for a minute, but just say if it's if you got a record that's one twenty and another one that's one twenty five. They're gonna stay on beat for at least what four seconds? Yes. So I used to, right when they get on beat, I ha. <laughs> Move right on, you know what I mean? So I still didn't understand. What was your first mixer? My first mixer was a realistic. Okay. Oh, matter, oh, so they yeah, still make realistic with the knobs, no crossfader. Yeah. <laughs> see, yeah. see, that's how I know we're talking to a real DJ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the I'm first mixer one, I though. ever touched was a GLI, and it had the knobs. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned to mix. I, I still, I'm still not good at cutting. Okay. Yeah. But now I can mix like a motherfucker. Right. Because, but because the knobs, you had to turn one down yeah, and one yeah, up and make that joint fit. And there was only a certain spot in the record that you can mix. You mixed out because there was parts of the record that people listened to and they knew everything about that record. You didn't cut that record off like. These what I call them smash DJs nowadays. They're just like see, that's don't matter too. the we tempo. The structure of songs back then they had a breakdown. You know, right. Wait, you know, good times. Right. You know, the silence, just the drums and the bass line. Right. Like every record had breakdown. Bounce back then. rock like, skate road by Vaughn Mason. Mason. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, Walking so now, in the sunshine, joints yeah, like that. Them skate rink records, I call them. Yeah. Some of them skate rink records, man. Yeah, man, and that's and that's that was that played a major part in my in my um whole journey too, DJing at the skate rink. What, right what skate there. rink was you DJing Jelly Beans. Right oh, in, wow. Right in Ben Hill. Okay. DJ, DJ Kenny Boo, man. And he was up on a whole lot of hip-hop stuff too. 
And so some of the record stores, because everybody used to go to this one spot called Third World, which was cool, but there was another one called Goldmine that used to be in the West End. Mm-hmm. And they used to catch a lot of shit from up top, like before everybody, almost like a month ahead of time. Right. So whenever I see a profile record label, a Sugar Hill or anything, enjoy, I, I would just get it before I, I used to. So who were the yeah. cats out here? I know it was, it was uh, y'all had Raheem the Dream, y'all had. Raheem, well, the very, very first guy is Mojo. Okay. Let Mojo handle it. Yeah, he's the first one to actually put a record out down here. That's okay. 80, 81, 82. All right. Yeah, it was, it's actually it was incredible because he used a live band. It reminded you of some James Brown shit. Yeah, and, yeah, and Sugar Hill, the way Sugar Hill used to do yeah. with the know, band and all of that. Mojo's still living, too. He's still active, man. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so Mojo was like, it was like one of the real pioneers of Atlanta yes, hip-hop. Man, definitely. First guy on the radio, first rap record, period. Mm. And after that was Shadi, and that was DJ yeah. Shadi. Yeah. Producing for him. Okay, and Shadi from up top. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yeah. And then Shadi. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. The first person took me to New York. Yes. We got to get, hey, damn, yeah. we got to get Shadi on here, man. I was up there for the. Uh, Definitely got to get Shadi. We went up there for the new music seminar. Wow. Yeah, that's when uh, Scratch won, and um, and Mikey D, Melly Mel took Mikey D's belt. Yes, he did. Mikey D's from Queens like yeah, me, too. Yeah. Yes, Mike, he did. Mikey D had killed him, though. Yes, he did. Mikey D. Mikey D is probably one of the greatest, and I know everybody have him, and you probably can name a thousand dudes from down here, mm-hmm. but from Queens, New York, Mikey D is probably one of the greatest what-ifs of all time because Mikey D was He's nice. Cold, and we used to always want Mikey D to battle LL, but that battle never happened. But Mikey D was that so good. So LL used to actually battle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's an infamous uh, LL Cool J Jay Z battle that happened, but he never battled Mikey D. Although everybody used to have rumors that Mikey D battled LL and he killed him. Mikey D and LL never battled. Never battled that yeah, battle. okay. yeah. Mikey D was one yeah. of one of the great ones, man. That's yeah, and I remember that Melly Mel took his belt. Hell yeah, I was there, man. I witnessed all that, and I was just. Yeah, how old was you then, too? Well, I was. I just graduated. What, 18, 19? Yeah, you had me eighteen, nineteen, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah new music seminar. Yeah. It's where you develop new music. You found new artists. Yeah, I remember bro, coming down here for Jack, Jack the, Rapper. the Rapper. There you go. Yeah, I remember coming. I met Hammer at Jack the Rapper yep. when he was MC Hammer, the Holy Ghost Boy. See, when I met him, it was uh, out in uh, the BRE in L.A. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was Hammer. Man. So how did, what was your transition like from DJ Toomp, which you still go by, mm-hmm. which I respect the hell of a lot, to Toomp the producer? Really, after playing so many records, man, I I, I uh, started really start understanding the structure of songs, like the intros. Then I started understanding the beats a lot more. Never was good. I was just eyed at playing drums, you know, as far as the live drums. But then around like mid '80s, well, early '80s, when uh, you start using the DMX and start hearing drum machines, and the first time I got, you know, I was always good at beating on the desk and shit. Okay. So I always make a nice little constant beat while folks rap in high school or whatnot. So I knew that once I got in the studio and played with a drum machine, it was over. And so Raheem was the first person who gave me a shot at it. That was in 85. I used a drum emulator and a, a DMX. I didn't even meet him together. I just knew to get them on the same BPM. <laughs> started one and started the other one. I fucked up a few times. So we had a um, Otari 1-inch 8-track eight, recorder is what we did our first record on. Wow. Yes. A little reel to reel that set flat up with all the VUs on it. And um and that's when it shoot, man, it was like I, I did the beat and I didn't know that was actually producing back then. You know right. what I mean? They were like, nah, you produced the beat. So boom, if you look at the album cover, it's like I even drew the album cover. I used to do graffiti and stuff too. So 
victims. Like Raheem has got tilt with the hands coming out with uh, turntables. <laughs> yeah, the old it's, it's, it's on YouTube, all the old right. artwork and shit. But um, and that's and I would say I still was more into DJing around that time. I still didn't really take the production side seriously until um, I would say the next song we did. Um, me and Raheem was called Eliminator. Mm-hmm. That was in uh, '86. Like 86, 87. And that's when I started learning more about the 808s and MIDI and stuff up. My homeboy Mike Fresh started, you know, he taught me a lot about MIDI and running the 727. So he had, man, we had, we had, matter of fact, some guys from New York. New York play a major part. Wow. It's these dudes, um, Chris and Pookie, man. They used to hustle with um, a lot of folks back then. Uh-huh. And, but they came down here, they moved the family down here because basically, they knew they might wouldn't have lived too long being up there. So they're, <laughs> they're like some of the first hustles I know from New York who came out here. They invested in us, man. We had the studio off Camelton Road and everything. And uh, they brought a whole lot of break beats down there. So I started going through crates, man. So I was digging in the crates at 86. Wow. But it's still certain stuff. You know how it is. Like, let's say if you go through a crate now, and you might be like, all right, I'm going to sample this record. But, or, you know, you may listen to a, a, a record. And you might hear something and be like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Then five years later, it's actually the thing to sample. Right. So I had records that I just looked over. I mean, by, I was saying then, like, six years later, I was like, oh, man, I could have put that out first. I've been had that break beat. Right. I've been used, you know, I've been, could have used that, but it's just the timing. So I had all kind of resources around me. So somebody showed me how to really hook the whole studio up. And then once I really started understanding the whole structure, man, that's when I started taking the, uh, Producing seriously, you know what I mean. More like, seriously than just yeah, de- just it was more being. like just the DJ, and that's what was really paying the bills, at right? Because I still, man, just think I even did a lot of that Shadi album. Uh, mm-hmm. Come on, shake, shake it. Yeah. And see, I don't know if you remember me and you met on one of them loop cruises. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Lucas? Yes, had sir. The battery at his finest, baby. That's when me and you had officially, I, I, I kind of figured you wouldn't remember that. So you were DJing for Shadi at the time? Shadi at the time. And you did the production on Shake It? Yeah, yeah. Oh, was. wow. Yeah, I'm on there. I'm covering everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you a yeah, question, I, man. Being, a, shot, being yeah. a dude from Southwest Atlanta, mm-hmm. born and raised here, when did Atlanta figure out its sound? Because what you're mm-hmm. telling me is the early influence of Atlanta was a lot of New York. Yeah. When did Atlanta say, you know what? We ain't fucking with New York. We Atlanta. We got, we got our thing. You know, uh, I would say da, 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 da. Atlanta really had found a sound. I would say keeping it 100. I don't want to make it like I just really brought it, but some yeah. people say I did. Because, you know, we were in Miami, so Miami had a whole nother sound. Yeah, absolutely. Tempo, and, um, so me and my boy Mike Fresh, when we moved back to Atlanta, because we was in Miami for, for a good little while. For really? Five years straight. Okay. Yeah, five years straight. When we came back up here, we brought the up-tempo 140 BPM shit. And that's when Atlanta started being known for the booty shake music. Okay. You know what I mean? So we had the Miami bass, but then we had the Atlanta booty shake music, like the Kizzy Rocks and ATL players. You know, um, there's a whole lot of little groups came up back then. So like I say, the songs were like between one... 28 and maybe 141 BPM. Mm-hmm. So that was the Atlanta sound for a minute. And we were mixing those slow records with the fast records. Right. I don't know if you remember that. DJ yeah. DJ Smurf. Yeah. Edward J. Yeah. So DJs were mixing slow records. You know how it is. If it's one, 140, it could be slow or fast. That's right. So 
and that was the whole thing. You might hear somebody mix the um, silk, um, what's it, freaky. Yeah. They might mix freak it, me, um, baby. Yeah, freak me, baby, with an up tempo. Absolutely, them blends, right? So that started our little booty shape type of era, and from there, you know, that's when we kind of had uh, a sound that could re- that we that we could really call ours. And then they started uh, a certain dance called Yeekin. I know you you mm-hmm. see that, you know, everybody go Yeek. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that whole little TLC thing, and um, and around that time, I would say later on, we just decided to slow it down. We still uh-huh. kept the 808s in it, but we just slowed it down, and that's when you had the Outcast start coming out, right? And um, even with me and Raheem, we had slowed it down a little bit, even with the stuff that we put out, you know. But um, but Raheem was on the booty shake for a minute, but then, like I say, once it starts slowing down, we start really. Embracing more of our soul, which is, you know, you think about Atlanta and just the state yeah. of Georgia. Come on, man. Hamilton, Bohannon, right. Jackson, Gene Carn, Cameo, a long list. So a lot of soul artists came out of here. So we started really embracing that along with those beats. And that's why, you know, you got the outcasts and, right. like I say, the trap music and all that shit came from the organs and the live music with mm-hmm. the 808 drums. So right. that ended up becoming our sound. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. And yeah. I think at that time, Atlanta kind of figured themselves out. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it took and, a minute now. Yeah, You're right. it took a minute right. because New York used to dominate hip-hop so much that, you know, when we came around in 1989 with your on TV raps, what we were trying to do just spread the music to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then local people started understanding we don't have to sound like New York. Yeah. We could sell records to our people because I think y'all understood that past DC, everybody sound like y'all. Right. They don't sound like us. Oh yeah. You get past Delaware, don't nobody talk like New York no more. Hey man, matter of fact, and shout out to you and Dr. Dre back then too, man, because that Shake It video was in regular rotation. Yes, sir. MTV than any other station for sure. Yeah, we played that motherfucker. Yeah, oh, we played the shit out of Luke. We played Luke. Yeah, y'all looked out for the We played Luke to death, bro. We did. We played Chai D, too. New York niggas don't love us, man. No, we always did, bro. Yeah, everybody, we used to catch a little bit. But you know, in 95, that's what great Because it was kind of like, you know, Outkast was up for best new artists, and they won new artists at the Source Awards, and Dre felt like that he was being disrespected, yeah, but I was already, yeah. I was already on Outcast, bro. Right, right. I was already, I already knew what the fuck Outcast yeah. was and what they could be. Mm-hmm. I was on them. I was on Eight Ball and MJG. I was on, I was on Bun B and Pimp C. I was already on it. Yeah. That's why he stood there and said the South got something to say. And God, see, that was things, prophetic. You've always been that neutral. You've been, you've, you've always been neutral. been in neutral zone. For yeah, sure. because yeah. it's so much great yeah. music coming out of right. everywhere. What was your first major hit record? Shake it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the biggest one. And then um, you know, just think, I mean, I released a whole lot of songs. Uh, and then I would say that was the main I would say that was a major record, but then as far as accomplishments, I would say the song I did for two live crew, uh-huh. the New Jack City song uh soundtrack. Okay. Dick in the dirt. Dick in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. That's the part when they was riding in the Jeep. Right, no, you did that. Yeah, I did that one too. Yeah. I sampled the Neville Brothers. Did that one the SP twelve hundred. Yeah, but didn't get nothing off of it though. All I got was my fifteen hundred dollar producer. <laughs> That's I it. I didn't know anything about royalties, no publishing or nothing. I was just a young cat getting fifteen hundred a track, running around Miami with an SB twelve. <laughs> That's a floppy disc. Come on, side side.
Monday, May 15th at 8, 7 Central on VH1. Black Ink Crew is back-to-back and united in ink on Monday nights. First on Black Ink Crew New York, with Caesar leaving the shop, Puma steps up to lead the way and rebuild their legacy while Ted works to secure his own. Bay sets up her own shop while Rock and Crystal rethink marriage. Then on Black Ink LA, Cat is preparing to birth a new shop in Beverly Hills and a new baby. Meanwhile in Compton, KP's dreams of ink and music seem to be fading, and having it all is harder than ever. With group dynamics shifting and revelations changing relationships, can OGs and new artists create as a unit? Two cities, one night, united in ink. Black Ink Crew New York and Black Ink Crew LA starts Monday, May 15th at 8, 7 Central on VH1. With some of the best and most capable vehicles in the world, did y'all know that Ford Strong means more than just physical? See, right now Ford is sharing some of those inspiring stories of those behind the wheel who are accomplishing their goals, pursuing their dreams, and creating the world they want to live in. Built Ford Proud highlights D. Bryant a Ford driver who has shown strength in how she is breaking boundaries to create change in her field and for those all around her. Dee Bryant is a professional stunt driver featured in over 100 films, movies, and shows. She began riding motorcycles at age 11. Dee has done stunts in many commercials, but she always finds herself gravitating toward Ford vehicles as a personal ride when she's off the screen. In fact, most of her stunt driving training took place in the Ford Mustang. Dee is one of those few females and even fewer African-American female stunt drivers in the industry. She constantly battles against racism, sexism, unfair representation, and many productions try to get around hiring female drivers. As part of her fight for equality, she co-founded the Association of Women Drivers, a stunt driving school where she helps teach other women to stunt drive. She is just one of our many examples that show us that four drivers span all walks of life each with an individual story that shows how they are built Ford proud. Learn more about D. Bryant's story at Ford.com slash built Ford proud. Breaking the mold, strengthening communities, creating change. Real stories brought to you by Ford. Built Ford proud. One in eight. That's how many people have worked at McDonald's and where some have continued their career. Where graduates of McDonald's Career Online High School program are now role models leading the next generation. Where aunties, uncles, cousins, and communities learn skills they can use in every aspect of life. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. One in eight have worked at McDonald's, and where you start stays with you. We live and breathe real. Whether you're searching for the latest sneaker, that iconic handbag, a timeless watch, or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that makes the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection. eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted and leave it up to the meticulous eyes of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch moving is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
Come on, son, son. So you was messing with Luke? That's crazy, but bro. You, don't, you know. Yeah. Luke said, "Hey, if y'all don't know, I ain't gonna tell you." <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's exactly. Why I really, honestly, though, that's that's why paying I, dues, though, bro. You got to pay your dues. I look at it as a as a, as a as a semester, and then at the same time, too, I was just telling somebody else that really, you can't really hold no grudges on any old school CEO back then because most of them was like 25 years old, really young. Right. Didn't, didn't really know the game themselves. That's right. You know what I mean? He'd be like, ah, oh, such, such mess me around. He'd be like, come on, man. Everybody was really learning this shit. Man. That's right. Puff was learning. Everybody. You know, Dre was learning and right. we were all learning, yeah, man. Everybody. You know what I mean? You know, so, yeah. Yeah. So Luke was like, you know, if y'all ain't gonna you don't ask, you know, I'm not gonna tell you. Right. So yeah. So you had to learn the business the hard way. Come on, man. Watching that. What was that? What was the biggest song off that uh, of that album? Uh, Color Me Bad, Sex You Up. Yeah. And I think that New Jack City soundtrack might have did like four, might have peaked out at four or five mil. Jesus Christ. Ooh. At that time. Imagine not counting how many 19, other times. 20 years old with, her, with that first royalty check. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Not counting how many other times somebody had bought that joint. Yeah. And that was when soundtracks was yeah. everything. I wasn't getting royalties off the shoddy stuff either. I, like I said, I just didn't know. Right. Nobody didn't know nothing back then. Just did it. When just did you start saying? Seeing, oh, man, after the New Jack City. Uh-huh. And then um, I sat with my man, uh, DJ Magic Mike out mm-hmm. of Orlando. He started, you know, giving me game. Because, you know, he had his own label back then. Yes, sir. And um, he was like, man, you know, you're going to have to learn this book. And I got his book by Kashif and another one by Dave Passman. Everything you need to know about Donald the Passman. Me. Yes. Yeah. And bro, God bless Kashif. And the first uh, royalty check I got came from the um, Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. What did you do on there? The song called Push Him Up. It wasn't, you wouldn't even know. He might have put that shit all the way to the end to hear that song. Right. And they played it in a little part of the movie, but that sync feed was a killer, man. That was my first. <laughs> Damn. I ain't gonna lie. I was hustling around that time, too. Okay. So once I saw that check was bigger than what I had in my safe, right. like, man, no more of that street shit. Right. Yeah, that street chicken go. Yeah, <laughs> let me stick to this right here. I saw yeah. that check to my parents, man. They were like, yeah. And hey, what did you do after the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack? After that, shoot, let me see uh, Producer Lil John. Okay. Shawty Freak a little something. Okay. Did that one. That one you Jazzy. did, Shawty Freak a little. Yeah, with Jazzy Faye singing on the hook. God yeah, damn, too. Yeah, so I was wow. the first Lil John album. And uh, shoot, still had a little money to play with. At that time, I was like, man, let me find an artist. Uh huh. Ran across old Clifford Harris, which y'all know is T.I. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. So the most got... polite fucking... <laughs> I always tell Tip this story. He is the most polite <laughs> upcoming artist that I had ever met in my entire life to this day. And I was down here for Jack the Rapper. Wow. And ran into that young man. Yeah. And he introduced himself to me. He said, my name is, my name is Tip, but people call me T.I., Mr. Ed Lover, man, so polite. You're going to hear about me soon. And the, the way he approached me stuck in my head because I was so used to super aggressive artists. Yo, this is my shit. My shit coming uh, out, nigga. But like no, that, he yeah, was so old, fucking. He's an old soul, too. Yeah, you know that I mean? dude is so polite, yeah. man. Yeah, and this old man from New York. Right. You know? So yeah. how did you meet T.I.? Uh, through my partner who I was hustling with, too. Okay. T-O-O-T. So right. So we be shouting out. Like, right. Some peace, too. Right. And um, he used to, you know, I've been knowing too, what, since fourth grade. So and he used to always mention, you know, like, hey, man, I got a little cousin that rap. And, you know, you hear that from everybody. Yeah. And, man, I finally just, yeah, 
put that cassette in my little 300 ZX. And I was blown away, bro. I was like, please bring him over here ASAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shit. Once we went to the studio, man, realized the magic was there. But what's crazy, you know, it's that age gap because he was in the Southwest Atlanta area too. But I'm like, almost got him beat by 10 years. Right. So, we could have easily missed each other. Just, you know, ain't no telling how many times we crossed each other paths, but I didn't know him. He didn't know me either. Right. Because I really had to break down my whole career to him when I met. Like, he didn't know who the hell Toomp was. Right. So, we was just, every, the whole relationship was just so brand new, but the chemistry, oh my God. Yeah. Man. When y'all work together, does he, do you do the music first? And then yeah. give it to him and then say, well, yeah, this is what time, I'm doing? Yeah, I, I just have, yeah, a playlist of joints, and then he might shoot an idea. But most of the time, it's stuff that I might have in my playlist already. Uh-huh. And so once you get with an artist, especially if you don't help him develop that, because, I mean, I was a lightweight rapper myself. I used to be battling a little bit. You know? Right. I done tried everything on the umbrella of hip-hop, from graffiti to rapping. DJing. You did everything. You and me both. You and me both. You figure uh, out what you're good at. And so every time we was in the studio, I, just like I say, I noticed the, I noticed the, the chemistry was there, man. So ninety percent of everything in my playlist, he had a song for it. Mm. You know what I mean? So that shit made sense, bro. Yeah, 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 it made sense, it bro. Made sense. Yeah, you're a tip of like magic, bro. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, that that's some of the some of the greatest hip hop ever, bro. It's yeah, the... man. Hopefully we'll be squeezing one out soon. I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, it's, 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 time, been, right? it's been a lot of conversation, but you know, everybody say they want to see it. Last time I saw him at uh at Clay's uh um Rest in peace, Clay yeah, Evans too, y'all. And we had a quick conversation. I was like, hey man, let's give these folks what they want. He's like, Yeah, OG, let's do it. I'm like, all right, yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute, right? We've talked enough, yeah. yeah. So let's do it. So. It's been a minute. What do you what is the biggest record on tip that you produce? The one that sold the most. What you know, what you know about that? Right. Where the fuck did that come from? Roberta that music. Going away. That's Roberta Flack. Yeah. See, that's another record I used to play when I was a kid. Right. That song. For some reason, at the end of that song, used to just it had it just had this feel, and I always remember that melody. Da 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 da. da. So later on, I tried to sample it. It didn't come out too good. But I just replayed it in this uh, software called Reason. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, this home, homeboy named Wonder, he showed me how to work the whole software thing once I got into that because I was really hardware. Okay. MPC, right. Phantom, you know what I mean? So I started getting into the software. But all the beats were still on the MP. Okay. So, yeah, what you know, um, yeah, instead of me sampling that Roberta Flack, I just played all the, listened to it like 10 times and just got all the instruments and, Right. Yeah, bro. So is awesome. that is that considered an interpolation? Interpolation, yes, sir. So you don't have to pay for that? Uh, just, you know, just a good little publishing up, you know what I mean? Okay, I, okay. I still own a whole lot of percentage <laughs> of my records, man. You know, everybody cut these deals, you know, you might hear about something with me soon, but I ain't breaking my neck for it, man. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm cool right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, that was a huge yeah, record for Tim. Before that, bro. let me see... Um, Run off to some of the tip records you did, bro. All right. Well, the first one that what, what really kicked everything off was Dope Boys in the Trap. Okay. That, one. that was on the um, Serious album. Right. And after Dope Boys, uh, 24s, I produced that one. Oh, my oh, God. Cars and clothes. That's how all my we partners I that song. Man, me and Tip done cleared that song, what, five times in two, the past two years now. So really? Now we the, we the motherfuckers. So they're sampling you they're now? Sampling us, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, bro. I'm, I'm holding on to my That's minute, crazy. Man. Yeah, bro. Okay, come on. And so um, you don't know me? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna keep on Fawcett Pop as long as Toomp is on the beat. So that was me. Um, Toomp. 
You don't know me. You can see me in the street, my nigga. You don't know me. God yeah. damn. Motivation. That's another one. Yeah. Um. Shoot, man. Bezels. It's a few of them. Uh, about my issue with um, right. um, um, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a gang up. Did Nip there. come in the studio and do that yeah, with yeah, y'all? Yeah, we rocked that out. Yeah, I was in L.A. Okay. Yeah, we went crazy with that one. Yeah. That was on the Paperwork album. Yes, yeah, yeah. Paperwork is one of my favorite albums yeah, from Tim, man. too. And, you know, and after kicking it with him, you know, that just opened a whole lot more doors. Started okay. getting more attention from a lot of other cats from around y'all way, West Coast. Who else? Who else? Tell everybody, because they don't know. Um, end up getting, you know, Kanye. Okay. You know, he actually came down here to do the graduation album. You know, uh, like he, he wanted to feel, so he chose to come work with me. Right. So we started down here and we finished up in uh, New York at Chung King. So Okay. Yeah, I was almost executive producer on that Kanye album. What happened, bro? Just needed one more record. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I had three. I did uh, uh, um, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Right. Uh, Big Brother. Right. And uh, Good Life. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at, listen, you hear this? Yeah. You can hear it from the back yeah. because this is what I was telling y'all. Listen to me when I tell you interesting conversations with interesting people. Why do you think when the best producers are called out, I don't hear to them? Because I'm not all in the videos. <laughs> 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 you know what, though? No, and, and, uh, but, and, and, and I end up catching, honestly, keeping it 100, man, because I, I, just for me growing up around a lot of older cats, like I said, I used to hustle with my pop. Right. You know, and um, and just being around a lot of older cats, you know, just lay low, you know, chill out, just, you know, be that silent guy. Right. I always wanted to be like the Daryl Simmons in the industry. Okay. You know what I mean? You yeah. Know, you got L.A. and Babyface, but you got Daryl Simmons. And there is no L.A. and Babyface. Without a Darryl lot Simmons. of them records without Daryl yeah, Simmons. Said, he, he, he actually named his production company Silent Partner. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Daryl Simmons. Like, with a, yeah. You know, so that's I all the money and without all the headache that go along so, with it. So I made it my business to not be in the video too tough. But later on, as things started changing, it started really turning into more of a show me. It's a show, you know, you got, right. you got the show. Hey, you got to speak on it. Hey, if you did it, the world need to know. Right. And so uh, then now you got the streaming shit, but niggas can't read credits no more. So you really got to right. be vocal about, about your work. Yeah, yeah you got to so, be out there. You yeah, got to let got people know. Being in, in, a, in a few of the videos, man. That's a lot of records I produced. I was at the videos, you know. Like what? Shoot, but shoot, man. Um, I was at uh, Rubber Band Man joint. Okay. And I was there at the You Don't Know Me video, but only the part where he said, as long as Tupper's on the beat, you'll see me for like two seconds. And then, <laughs> then I'm gone. <laughs> you know? Uh, Shadi, Shake It. I was yeah. in that video dancing with some other good bros down there from Miami or whatnot. Right. But like I say, and um, and then there's some of the producers that, that you can speak of that's, that's really, really known were the ones who was kind of rappers also. Like Dr. Dre, he was Right, too. yeah, absolutely. Jazzy Faye was an artist also. Right. JD was an artist also. So, you know, right. most of the ones, so, like the cat, got, uh, who else? Like Large Professor. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you got different cats who just. Pete Rock. Pete Rock. Right. Thing. Yeah. Producer slash. Q-Tip. Yep. Q-Tip. Yeah. So, for me, not really being an artist, it was kind of like, uh, you really had to truly re- read the credits and know who the hell I am. You right. You know what I mean? So, and that's what helped, that helped a lot because after people saw the T.I. records and like, damn, you know, some people was like, who the hell is DJ True? 
Right. T O O M P. Right. Yeah, you true? I'm like, yeah, that's me. So after a while, I was like, okay, that's very important. They need to know who the hell I am. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And that's when I started really like. And hey, you need your flowers right now. Hey, man. Why you alive, brother? Hey, bro, alive and well. Absolutely. Vertical, all that. Baby. Damn right. Everybody <laughs> need to know who DJ Toomp is nah, and these so records that he yeah. produced and these artists yeah. that he worked with and this beautiful music that you yeah, gave man. to the world, brother. And, I, and then why should I, you know? Hold my little story back because it's a whole lot of. Oh yeah, yeah, I got a story. I Absolutely, documentary. You should, out. as you should, yeah, brother. Real as you should. It's the yeah. 50th celebration, 50th anniversary yeah, of yeah, hip hop, and you are a major cog in the sound for an entire city. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You're a major part of this city. Do you agree with Jay Z when he says that he feels like right now Atlanta is is lacking musically? JD. JD, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jermaine Dupree, you do? Yeah. What do you think it's missing? Um, it's missing development. Okay. 90% of what came out of Atlanta was developed. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, even stuff on independent labels, it was development. Um, now, you know, you can just press a button. You hit enter, man, and... That shit is out to the world. Mm -hmm. Like, you got cats who still may be like how I was in 88. Don't know anything about royalties or nothing. They just know how to go in the studio and they just realize they can rap or they can just put some words together or hold some guns up in the videos. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's a few elements I would say that has taken it away. And um, another thing is the young... It was a lightweight little tug of war between the new school and the old school. Mm -hmm. The new cats didn't think that we respected them. Right. You know what I mean? And so they kind of used to kind of be a certain way to us, you know, like, ah, going with that old shit. You right. Know? So that's what kind of helped kind of knocked it off a little bit because everybody who really was successful around here, for, I would say from, from the 90s to the early 2000s, was a part of somebody before that, you know. Right. It was they were under somebody, mm -hmm. brought in through someone. But now you got cats who could just, you know, like I say, fresh out of the studio, and once they put hit enter and throw a video out there, right. Now they're all not, of a, not a, they, yeah, they're not affiliated with anybody. You know what I mean? They don't have any any type of guidance. It's just throwing music out there. It's just a wild game, right? Yeah, now. it is what it is. And nobody's right. there to really approve it. So that's why there's I, no minor league. <clears throat> At all. There's no minor league because, you know, yeah. uh, even I with TLC. I try not to use the gatekeeper's word. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I try not to use that. But shit. even with TLC, you hear stories about what Left Eye used to do, what Chili was doing, what, you know, T-Boz was doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you sit down and you talk to a cat like Big Boy or Sleepy Brown or even yourself, and they're like, yo, I knew Tiana when she was da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was that minor league there, and now it ain't. It's a kid yeah. in the bathroom. Doing vocals and it's just like woodwork out of nowhere, right? And you know, then so it's like, yeah, it's lacking. It's it's lacking bad because you got to think. <clears throat> excuse me, this city was driven off of hip hop and R and B. Yes, sir. So just think, right? Just while Outkast, Goody Mob, and all this other stuff was hitting Young Bloods, you still had TLC. Yeah. Uh, Tony Braxton. Yeah, Usher. Usher. You know what I mean? Luda. And not to mention shit. Donnell Jones gang came out. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, hell too. yeah. So, so we so it was like neck and neck. 
You know, um, right. And even, even as far as a hip hop artist that wasn't signed to the face, this guy Kilo. Yes. Kilo was the biggest when TLC was selling like 10 million records. It went diamond. Kilo was still the biggest artist in Atlanta around that time. Mm. Yeah, people would. It's almost if you think about it back then, he might would have sold more sold out the arena quicker than TLC. When right. He was hot. Right. Even though they was on the face. Right. So it's like it was just it was a, a, a nice natural balance of R&B and rap. Yeah. And people were respecting the ones who brought them in. You know well, it I mean? wasn't it wasn't microwavable music. That music still oh, lives man. right now. Yeah. So it's so you understand what I'm right saying? Now. The music, yes, the music that you've done, even from Shadi moving all the way up to T.I. music, that music still lives, man. That yeah. music ain't going nowhere. Yeah, and it was really cooked. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the, the shit that you shit. did with Little John, uh, with, uh, you know, yeah. all that shit still cooked, still bro. Still hear it in the club. Yeah, yeah. DJ still cue that shit. In. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's not this kind of, you know, you only playing a minute and a half or right. sixty seconds of the record. Oh yeah, and then you, yeah, you know, you're gone. Two yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the hook, the because hook. just the yeah. other day, I, I was laughing at something because I used to say when they did um when Cam and and Lil Wayne did this song together, mm-hmm. Suck It or Not, you yeah. never heard Cam ver- Cam's verse. They just jumped right wow. to Lil right Wayne. To Wayne right yeah. to Wayne. And, and they just performed that together for the first time ever. Wow. And that record's got to be over 10 years old. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been a minute, yeah. So I'm here as a griot. I'm here as an OG to make sure that stories of your story and everybody it, else's story is told, man, because... Yeah. Y'all deserve your flowers, bro. Yeah, man. Thank it ain't you. no two ways about that, bro. Yeah, you man. are one of the greats. Thanks. And everybody should know. You know, you, you yeah, can ask anybody there, from Tip to Jazzy Faye to Chili to Big Boy to Dre Organized. to JD yeah. to any of them. Lil John, ask them about DJ Toon, and they will tell you. You was laid back for a long time, oh, bro. Yeah. Probably just came out the woodwork. Man. Goddamn right. Know. Goddamn you know, right. It's after the... Uh, after, let me see. After the Kanye, let me see. Because when we were mixing Big Brother, right, that's when Jay Z came to the studio. Was like, hey, you know, because everybody the conversation in Def Jam was, hey man, Jay got a song talking about Jay, right. So he didn't know if it was bad or good, right. So when he came to Chung King, man, to hear it, you know, we were still mixing. That was the last song on the album, and I had I actually had to change the music because the original interpolation that I played was Prince is gonna be lonely. Oh, yeah. I okay. I love the end part. I don't know if you know, it's most yeah. because I sample be the end part. That I, <laughs> no, that's what the most gravy right. part of the most record when they get to the end. You right. Know? And um, he didn't approve it. At the last minute, he was like, hey, man, y'all can use it, but I got to have 100% of the publisher. Ooh. And Ye was like, oh, it's a go. Let's go. I'm like, no, nah, bro, I got to eat. Right. So they flew me back down here to make a whole nother version. And I brought it back to New York. And by the time I got up here, uh, Jay and Jay, Jay-Z and Jay Brown was there, and they wanted to hear the record. And um. Uh, once he heard it, he was like, damn, man, that's dope. When we going in? Next thing you know, but a little bit around that time, that's when he was talking about retiring. Right. But then I got a phone call from my man, Big John. He was like, hey, you know, you know, know about the Denzel movie? Yeah, I was like, yeah, American Gangster. He's like, yeah, Jay gonna make an album called American Gangster. And that's when I did Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Wow. Yeah. Came back up to New York and, yeah, I bust some heads on that one. I was yes, you did, brother. God yeah. damn, too. Yeah, cause he didn't want to hear no more beats that day either. No, nope. my man, he had them, he had them beat his ears to death, man. So by the time I got up there, he was like, "Man, I only want to hear three tracks." So I had to narrow it down to three joints. I was in there with my headphones. It was like, no ID, JD, L Rock, Usher. Everybody was in the studio. 
And uh, I just narrowed it down to those. I was like, all right, I know exactly which one I'm going to play for. Blew them away. Yeah. Damn. Boom. Now you got to say hello. And then that went from Mariah Carey. And just kept going. What'd you do for Mariah? Loving you long time. Yeah. I'll be loving you long time. This dude here, man. <laughs> this dude right here, bro. It's just still fun, eh? You still love it? Yeah, heck yeah, bro. What? I'm a geek. There you go, man. What's next? Stay in front of the computer. Shoot, I got this E-40 record called Bands that just dropped. Shout out to E-40. Um, got another one with 2 Chains, Benny the Butcher, and Wayne. That, that's, that's, that's about to drop. Um, Who else? I got one with, J, uh, with JD and... um. Currency. Okay. Yeah, I got one on there. I can't remember the uh, title. He just sent it to me on my phone. I, I, I never knew the title. I need JD in his seat. Could you please make that happen, I brother? Can make that happen really Thank soon. you, brother. Fact, Thank by you. By the time I leave, I Thank you, brother. And then yes, you sir. and Tip sometime soon? Man. This year or next year? We, we recorded nine joints, what, last summer? Just, we just, he just hit me out of nowhere one time. He was like, man, meet that studio by 11 o'clock. We got there by 11. We got out about six. Man, we knocked out about nine records, man. Fuck y'all doing with him? That's the thing. We don't know what to do. What to do? I don't know. I guess you know. Tomb, you know, I mean, you bring the best be side of that. Record labels now. Huh? Yeah, you bring the best out of that dude, and he brings the best out yeah. of you, bro. You know that. Yeah, we got joints, man. Y'all got we classic got joints. Yeah. You got worldwide hits, classic joints, yeah. bro, for sure. <laughs> Tomb in the building, man. Y'all give it up for Tomb, man. Thanks, brother. God damn. Mark, yes, he fucked you up, didn't he, Mark? <laughs> that is it for Come On, Son, the podcast. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you next time. Be good if you can't be good. Be careful. And if you're going to be an MC, get some music from Toop. God damn. Until the next time we ride together, slide together, laugh out loud together. Ed Love would say God bless each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all for tuning me in and not tuning me out. Remember, always give you the good shit and never the bullshit. Interesting conversations. We're interesting people, y'all. I'll see y'all next time on Killer Inside <laughs> the podcast. Like, get the fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Killer This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... 
they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.